Hello, everyone, and welcome to the special edition of Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Tara Stingley, a partner with Klein Williams in Omaha, Nebraska. On February 21st, 2023, the National Labor Relations Board issued an interesting decision on whether employers can ask employees to sign severance agreements with confidentiality and non-disparagement provisions. Today, we're connecting with our ELA member firm from Wisconsin to talk about this new rule. Joining us on the program are Angela Lamb, senior counsel with the law firm of Michael Best, and Michael Kropowitz, the senior associate with the firm. Angela and Michael, welcome. How are you today? Great. Thank you so much for having us. Yes, happy to be joining you on this beautiful sunny day here in the Midwest. It's great to have you here. Michael, let's start with you to give some context for the decision from the National Labor Relations Board. Can you talk to us for a moment about confidentiality and non-disparagement clauses as used in severance agreements? Absolutely. So generally speaking, confidentiality clauses are included in severance agreements to keep the existence and terms of the agreement confidential meaning the employee usually agrees not to discuss the severance agreement with anyone else, except for perhaps a family member, accountant, or lawyer. Non-disparagement clauses, on the other hand, prevent employees from making disparaging or negative statements about the employer or the business. Now, both types of clauses, when broadly written, can be interpreted to prevent an employee from ever complaining about the workplace or talking about their severance with other employees which is why the board in this case found such broadly worded clauses violated the National Labor Relations Act in the McLaren-McComb decision that we're going to talk about today. Thanks, Michael. Now, before we jump into the McLaren-McComb decision, Angela, can you remind listeners about the provisions of the National Labor Relations Act that are relevant to the board's recent decision? Of course. So Section 7 of the National Labor Relations Act, and I'll refer to that as the act going forward, guarantees employees the right to self-organize, to form, join, or assist labor organizations, to bargain collectively through the representative of their choosing, and importantly for what we're talking about today, the right to, quote, engage in other concerted activities for the purpose of collective bargaining or other mutual aid and protection. Section 8A1 of the Act, in turn, makes it unlawful for an employer to interfere with, restrain, or coerce employees in the exercise of their Section 7 rights. So there are a lot, and I do mean a lot, of ways an employer can violate Section 8A1 of the Act. One way an employer can do that is by chilling employee discussions on wages, hours, and workplace conditions. Employers are likely already familiar with the Section 8A1 implications on, let's say, restrictive communications or social media policies that prevent employees from talking about these kinds of subjects. The board's decision in McLaren-McComb takes these legal concepts and applies them to standard contract clauses that employers routinely use in their separation agreements with employees. So that's a great crash course on Section 7 of the Act and a good segue to the McLaren-McComb decision. Angela, what was this case about and how did the board rule? So in this case, we had a Michigan-based hospital that was forced to furlough a handful of bargaining unit employees following COVID-19. The hospital gave furloughed employees severance agreements that offered to pay them a severance in exchange for the terms in the written agreement. The agreement, like so many severance agreements that are used by employers today, 
included confidentiality and non-disparagement clauses. The confidentiality clause prohibited the employee from disclosing the terms of the agreement to anyone else except for a spouse or a legal or tax advisor. The non-disparagement clause prohibited the employee from making any disparaging statements about their employer. The board held each of these clauses violated Section 8A1 of the Act because they necessarily restricted employees from exercising their Section 7 rights. The board determined because those contract clauses prevented employees from talking about their wages or conditions in their former workplace that the clauses violated the Act. Now, in reaching this outcome, the board overturned two of its prior decisions issued during the Trump administration, which previously held employers could, at least in most circumstances, use broad confidentiality and non-disparagement clauses without violating the Act. Now, this flip isn't really surprising because the board's position often does change to match the politics of each new administration. What is surprising is that this board's ruling immediately impacts a widespread business practice of employers that happens on a regular basis, particularly now when many businesses are doing layoffs. Right. It sure seems like this decision has sent shockwaves through the business community. Michael, from your perspective, does this mean employers cannot or should not use confidentiality or non-disparagement clauses anymore? Not necessarily. The board did state in its decision these types of clauses aren't unlawful if they, quote, are narrowly tailored to respect employees' legal rights. So I think a fair reading of the board's decision is that it's telling employers, hey, you can still have a confidentiality or non-disparagement clause in your severance agreements, provided you're not infringing on the Section 7 rights that my colleague Ann talked about. Now, it's impossible to predict all the circumstances and the exact language that will pass future board scrutiny. But I think the board's decision does leave room for employers to still protect legitimate business interests. And Michael, what has been the reaction so far in the business community to this decision? Well, as you mentioned, businesses have undoubtedly been spooked by the board's decision. You know, confidentiality and non-disparagement clauses have always been an important tool for businesses to use to protect not just the terms of private personnel matters, but also their names and reputations among employees, clients, consumers, and even the public at large. So, Angela, since this decision came down, what steps are you seeing businesses take in response to the ruling? So, in just the short time frame since the board's decision, we've counseled many clients on how to respond to the ruling. There's really been no one-size-fits-all approach. It really just depends on our clients' unique situations. But given the effects of the board's ruling are largely still unknown, each employer is going to have to conduct their own risk assessment and decide whether confidentiality and non-disparagement are important enough to them and their business to tolerate at least some risk that the board will find their clauses still violate the act. It's also worth noting that Congress with the Speak Out Act and many states already have enacted laws impacting the use of confidentiality and non-disparagement clauses in certain employment-related agreements, all in response to the Me Too movement. So employers really should be reviewing their template severance agreements now just to make sure they're in compliance with all these new and different laws. Michael, would the board's decision in McLaren-McComb be the last word on this topic? 
Certainly not. The board's decision is subject to appeal and could be vacated by a court of appeals at some point in the future. As we mentioned earlier, board case law tends to ebb and flow after each presidential election, and we've seen this many times in other areas of federal labor law. So depending on what happens in 2024, the board could decide it no longer wants to follow the decision handed down in McLaren-McComb, and our firm, Michael Best, continues to track new developments in this area. Angela and Michael, this has been a fascinating discussion about things employers now need to consider about confidentiality and non-disparagement clauses in a continuing changing environment. Thanks so much for your time. It's been a pleasure speaking with you both. It's been a pleasure. Likewise. Thank you for having us. If you'd like to connect with Angela or Michael, please click on their bio in the description of this podcast. We also encourage you to reach out to any of our lawyers around the world by selecting Find a Lawyer on the ELA website at ela.law. In addition, you can search the ELA website where you can sign up to receive invitations to our upcoming webinars, download white papers and on-demand content from our online library, or access the ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Tara Stingley. Thanks for listening.